Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Chapter 49. And no doubt many here at some time or another you were giving a personal word of prophecy. I know over the years I've had numbers of times and uh, many times in a conference setting sometimes an evangelist is in town and uh, I'll get a word or maybe you've got a word they've given you a prophecy and many times what that prophecy what's involved uh, they're trying to reveal to you God's desire and his plans for your future. In other words, they'll give you a prophecy and they may say a number of things, but many times woven into that is the possibilities of God concerning your personal future. At the same time, even though the prophecy is given, and this is where some people make a mistake, it's not automatic. It's possible to squander it, cast it off, or to have it diverted. I've said to you over the years, the demonic, if the demonic world cannot get you to totally backslide, turn back to the world, cash in everything, my experience is the next strategy is to divert your destiny. Because in your destiny is where you're going to be most effective and most fulfilled and most satisfied. You know, it's possible to be in the kingdom and yet frustrated because you're not fulfilling what you know God's called you to do. And so I want this evening to look at a man, very, very simple story, very a simple message. But in it are some powerful truths. We have a prophecy given over a man of God. And as we see his life, there's some hurdles, there's some obstacles that he has to overcome to seize that destiny and for it to become a reality in his life. I believe these hurdles, each of these, you and I will also have to face and overcome. They seem to be common to humanity. I want to minister this evening on the hurdles to destiny. Genesis 49, there's a prophecy given upon Joseph, verse number 22 well, the Bible records this. Uh, his father's speaking, and it says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. 
By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of your Father have, ex- have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. Up to the utmost bond of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. Father, tonight we come by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, God, I pray you help your people tonight. God, use your servant. Give me words, God, words of spirit and life, words, God, anointed, words that liberate and deliver, words that bring clarity and conviction, God. I pray build your church and the gates of hell not prevail against us. God, I pray no weapon formed against this people would prosper. Every word spoken against them, you cast it to the ground. God, may they be all you've called them to be in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first hurdles that you're going to have to leap across and and conquer is the hurdle of morals. Morals this evening is critical to God's destiny for your life. We're talking about character. It's one thing to know right from wrong. Most of you here, I dare say, you know right from wrong. But are you willing to do right? Do you have the moral fiber? Do you have the character to not just know what I need to do, but to engage your will to do it. That's character. That's critical. You're going to have to have a dimension of integrity. You're going to have to have convictions of the mind that work out in the conduct of life. This word means completeness, soundness, wholeness. It's a true measure. In the Old Testament, they had what they called the balance stone. This was a weight used by the government. I've seen these in in, in overseas. I have one in my house, actually. It's where you have these scales, um, and normally you have a case um, of various sizes, and in that case are various measurements. These are stamped with the government seal, and what they were made for is that you would get a true measurement. Uh, They sometimes would unexpectedly go into a marketplace uh, or a place of business where they expected fraud um, or a man was cheating. He had shaved the weights um, and he was not. And and so they would go in and test things. um, But this is the word integrity. It has to do with character where you are the real thing. Proverbs 11.1, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. It's interesting in the book of Job, um, the battle's raging. You know the story between God and the devil. And the battlefield is Job's character, his morals. Will a man do right? In Job 2 verse 3, then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God, avoids evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him, destroy him without cause. 
And so Satan's challenge was, uh, the only reason Job serves you is because you blessed him. Um, and if you allow me to touch him, um, he'll curse you to his face. Um, and so the issue was Job's integrity. God said um, uh, he holds fast to his integrity. In other words, Satan said, a man won't simply do right because it's right. What about you this evening? Have you conquered and are you building character and morals? The devil challenged Job's integrity. His wife challenged Job's. His friends came, all of these things. Um, but you see, morals and character, integrity. One man said it's not a garment to be put on, but it's a life to be lived. In the throes of life, here's a man called Job. He has really in the moment no clue of the spiritual dynamics. He's living life, but what's at stake is his character, his integrity. Has he built morals? What about you? Do you have morals? Are you a just weight? Are you upright? It has to do with your lifestyle. Psalms 26.1, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I've walked in my integrity. I've also trusted in the Lord, and I shall not slip. This is a man who's balanced. Uh, he's not, it's the thought is not one leg is shorter than the other, or one leg's on, one foot's on a slippery place, but this man is balanced and he's dependable. Are you dependable? Are you steadfast? Are you whole? A man without morals, uh, he will always look for the excuse. He always looks for the shortcuts, a way out. Uh, a man with character integrity, he's not lazy. He's not a deceiver. There's no compromise. There's a steadfastness in him. He can get up in the morning, go to work, and hold a job. Hallelujah. His word's good. Someone said character is built in private, morals are manifested in the public, but it affects all of life. Joseph was a man of morals. In our text and on the crown of his head, uh, of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. See, the only real defense you have when temptation comes is your character or your morals. I was just reading today a bunch of magazines and Word and different one, Newsmax, and I'm reading today and uh, highly intelligent IQ, I, this astronomical IQ, this man, um, I can't remember all the details, he's uh, in, involved in the science community and has a lot of credit to his name and, and he's in court now, he's been charged and convicted with child molestation. And the lawyer made a statement that was very interesting to me as well as very true. He says, high IQ does not guarantee good judgment. And so if we, could, if we could flavor that a little bit, when temptation comes, you can have intellect, you can have charisma, you can have ministry. That will not defend you. You can be talented, gifted. That will not be your defense. What will defend you is your fiber of morality, your character. Are you a righteous man? Do you crave righteousness? 
Do you love righteousness? Jesus loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Is that active in your life? Is that being built? Are you climbing over that hurdle of flesh and carnality, that which hinders character? Joseph has a dream of destiny, of dominion, of redemption. He's betrayed, he's beaten, he's sold as the lowest slave. Now he's in Potiphar's house. The Bible says in Genesis 39:4, he's been made an overseer, a steward, and all that Potiphar had was put under his authority. Verse 6, then he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So here's a man, Joseph, he's finally uh, in Potiphar's house um, and this man has put everything he owns under his stewardship and his guardianship. This man has placed, listen, God will place things in your hand. Listen to me this evening. God will test you. He will put things in your hand and he will watch what you do with it. That's what stewardship is. He will will put ministry. He will put influence. um, He will put his anointing. He will put revelation. He will put put things um, within your influence. And then he watches. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? That's character. That's morals. Here he is. All that Potiphar has uh, has been entrusted to him. And then he's tested. Potiphar's wife. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. He refused. uh, And again, and again, Day by day, she came, she spoke to Joseph, uh, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And he said these words, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He talked about Potiphar. Potiphar, he said, has put all that he has in my hand. How can I violate this? Morals, what about you in the sexual encounters of life? How do you respond? When flesh is thrown in your direction, what do you do? Do you say, how can I commit this great sin against God? That's, that's more. Somewhere you're going to have to win this battle to step into your destiny. Somewhere you're going to have to conquer this hurdle. Because hell will not allow you to inherit and enter in to that prophecy, that dream, that vision that was given to you. Somewhere you'll find yourself in various stages of the battle for character and righteousness. Your conscience, your conviction. What Joseph is saying is, I cannot be bought, I'm not for sale. Man, years ago, I was pastoring this man and it was 
name was David Henry, and he, he was he was he was a great great young man. But he was he was one very highly intellectual, but had a little common sense. How many of you know? Very great guy, tremendous disciple, uh, but just when it come to doing things in life, and so he's renting this house. This is the funniest thing. That's a humorous story to me, and but this was so typical of him. Uh, and so they some somehow they had a basement in the house. The furnace is down there. It's a gas furnace, um, and they they had some food down there that had begun to spoil or something. And there, there's some maggots, and there this paper bags crawling with maggots. And so he has this idea. He's going to throw some gasoline on them, not thinking this gas furnace is just you know. Just for, so he he gets some gas in a can and he goes down and he he kills the maggots man he but he catches the house on fire, and and just show you what kind of guy he is his wife's taking a bath she's in the bathtub and she hears him calling the fire department he hadn't even told her <laughs> the house is on fire, but but what I want to show you. He was renting this so the landlord, the landlord, there's insurance involved. And they, the fire department came, got it out, and there was, but there was damage and et cetera. There's going to be an insurance claim. And so the, the homeowner, he's pressing David. He said, David, tell him, you know what happened? The furnace, there must have been a faulty furnace. Something happened. You don't know what happened. But the furnace, because the fire was around the furnace, you could tell it was there. And he wants him to lie. And I'll never forget this young man who said, I can't do that. If I have to pay for the damage, I'll pay for the damage. But I'm going to tell them exactly what happened and that it was my fault. Now think about this for a moment. One of the, the tragedies of my life. This was a brilliant young man. Tremendous young man. He gets cancer has two children, he's married, great destiny, gets cancer, it's in his kidneys, they remove one kidney, and we think everything's fine, but later everything comes back. I'm at his bedside, he's dying. Young man now, he's probably 29 years old, 30 years old maybe at this time, maybe 27. He's dying, he can barely speak, life is gone. They've done all they could do. Chemo, you know how it just tears people up. And I'll never forget, all these years later, he said these words. The last words I ever heard him speak, Jesus, 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 still miracle worker. And he died. That's character. That's not a garment you put on one day. That's a life when you make the small decisions of life. I'm not going to lie. It's my fault. If I have to pay for it, I'll pay for it. But when you're at the door of eternity, your faith will still be intact. And when you step into it, I wonder about eternity sometimes. Bible says all things will be revealed. I wonder in eternity about this young man who at the door of the threshold of death and he's still speaking a word for God. What about you tonight? Joseph never sacrificed his morals. 
for a cheap thrill or a phony victory. Also, there's a hurdle of money. The Bible says Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by wealth. His branches run over the wall. The word bough in Hebrew, the root word is where we get stirred. It's repeated twice in this text. There's going to be a great flow of finances passed through this man's hand. The thought in that he's a fruitful bough runs over the wall. It's this, this incredible flow of life. When I, when I was a boy, uh, my grandfather uh, had a sister. I, you know, we used to, we had wells. And the difference was, was the water ran off of the roof of the house down through a gutter, down through a pipe and into his well. And so if the season was dry, the well, the water in the well would be low. But at our house, still there, Granny's today, is a spring spring well. In other words, deep under the earth are these massive springs. um, And uh, it's not fed off of the roof, but down underneath the earth. And no matter how much we used, it was always there. That's a picture of what's happening in this man's life. There's a fruitfulness that cannot be expired. It's not going to run dry. The Lord, Genesis 39, 2, the Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. Verse 3, the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. Uh, 23, because the Lord was with him, whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. It doesn't matter if he's in Potiphar's house, He's a steward over, it doesn't matter if he's in prison. It doesn't matter if he's Pharaoh's administrator. Um, Everywhere this man goes, um, everything he puts his hand to do, there's this blessing of God that flows and follows him. And he's faithful with it. See, tithing is a test of the heart. Over the years you've heard, no doubt sermons, it's the current, money's the currency of relationship. We could talk about Abraham for a moment, Genesis 14. You know the story again, many of you. He's won a great victory. The kings of Chadoleomar, they've taken Sodom and Gomorrah, all the inhabitants, all the goods. They've taken this. Abraham goes, he defeats these armies. He reestablishes dominion. He's bringing back the citizen and all the wealth. As he's coming back, there's a hurdle he's going to have to climb. There's a strategy. It's very clear in Genesis 14. Two men came out. One of these was the king of Sodom, the king of perversion. They both came out to... Genesis 14, so he brought back 16, verse 16, all the goods also brought back his brother Lot, his goods, as well as the women and the people. The king of Sodom went out to meet him. After his return from the defeat of Chadolamar, all the kings who were with him, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of priests, brought out bread and wine. This is communion. He was the priest of God most high. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, who is possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God Most High, who has delivered the enemies into your hand. And the Bible said, Abraham gave him a tithe of all. So now here are these two dynamics here. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the people and you take all the goods for yourself. 
Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand. It's like a pledge to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap that I will take anything that is yours. Least you should say you or I have made Abraham rich. Except only what the young men have eaten, the portion of the men. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Now think about this for a moment. Here's a hurdle. You're coming out of a victory. You have this massive amount of wealth. Now the test. The test of finances. This wealth is placed in your hands. Incredible goods, uh, material. And what are you going to do? Is it going to be Melchizedek and God do honor or the king of this world? If you're going to find your destiny, you're going to have to conquer this hurdle in life. The truth is over the years, I've seen those that had tremendous uh, uh, words of prophecy upon them, tremendous destiny, and yet here they miserably failed. Joseph, wherever you find this man, he is a faithful man when it comes to the issue of resources. Job, the blessing, all of that. But money, somewhere if you're going to step into your inheritance, you're going to have to conquer this hurdle of money. Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and all that Egypt, a picture of the world, that it could offer, offer. What about you? When it comes to finances, when it comes to money, when your branches are running over the wall, God's putting things in your hand, what do you do? Here is Joseph. His brothers have sold him as a slave, the lowest of slaves. Now these same brothers are before you and not only do you forgive them, there's something in you that wants you to bless them. That's a man who's conquered the hurdle of money. Bible talks about this. He gave them grain, all of this. He put resources back into their bag, their money they tried to pay, put it back. But look in 45... When they've decided to come down, he's trying. He's, he's a picture of redemption, Jesus Christ. Verse 20, these words are written. He says, also do not be concerned about your goods. For the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so. Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh. He gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. Uh, to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver five changes of garments. He sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt, ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, food. His father for the journey, he sent his brothers away. They departed and he said to them, see that you do not become, see this is so you do not become troubled along the way. Let me ask you, uh, when it comes to wealth and resources, things in your possession, is there something in you that you desire to bless uh, and be an instrument of God in blessing humanity and the work of God. There's, is there something driving in your spirit to, that, that wealth and resources now become an instrument of redemption? 
He's going to be the one uh, during the famine and the plague. They're going to come down to Egypt. Uh, uh, they're going to be redeemed there for a season. Um, and all that's involved, Joseph is this instrument. He's a picture in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's so many similarities. But here is a man. He understands that wealth has the ability to be influential for God. What about you? Or are you selfish and it's all you, 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 you. The last hurdle and possibly the highest to climb is the hurdle of bitterness. Joseph, in every juncture of life, he has an opportunity for bitterness. In our text, verse 23, the archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him and hated him. Think of this, think, think of his life. And, and you know the story, his, his own family. He's got this dream. He just filled with vision and the possibilities. And his own family betrays him. What an opportunity to be bitter. Not, not enemies, not strangers, but those of your own house. In Potiphar's house again, here he is. He's beginning to be lifted up and things are a bit easier and he thinks maybe once again, I, I, I'm, I'm escaped. I've been a slave. I've been chained and et cetera. And, and now I'm getting some credibility and things are a little better. And now Potiphar's wife lies and, and everybody believes her and nobody believes him. Now he's in prison. What an opportunity to be bitter. After that, in prison, he interprets two other men's dreams about their destiny and gives them direction. And he has only one request. He says, when you are out of this place, remember me. Don't forget me. Do they remember him? They don't remember him. And so here is a man that every juncture of life, whether it's family, whether it's friends, even God, he could have become very, very bitter. And so this is a major weapon. It was true then. Now, hell will create conflicts and betrayals and violation that if you're not careful, they'll become boils of bitterness and they will disqualify you for destiny. They'll spoil your spirit. Joseph, it's amazing to me how different he is than Jonah. Think of this. Here's Joseph at the end of his life's moving through. And at the end, he's this tremendous instrument of redemption. He's this tremendous picture of grace and mercy, God's dominion. And here's Jonah. After he goes through his ordeals, he's sitting on a hillside, bitter, twisted up, kinked and warped. What about you? What about you? When it comes to this hurdle, everyone here, there will be seasons and opportunities that hell will seize. And to be honest with you, most ministries, ministries of any kind of leverage, I could, I, I could think of dozens of men that I've known over the years that aborted their destiny and always in the background, in the shadows of life, were these stains of bitterness upon their soul. 
Oh, this may not have been front page of, of, of their uh, uh, excuses and their statements and their reasoning for making their decisions, but back in the shadows of their soul were these stains of bitterness affecting, polluting their ministry and eventually aborting their destiny. I want to read a verse to you, Psalms 105, verse 17 this evening. It's a a psalm. It's about Joseph's life. If you'd like to turn there, powerful, powerful scripture. Psalms 105, verse 17. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his own house, ruler over all of his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasures and to teach his elders wisdom. What's the prophecy over your life? What's God spoke over your life? Ladies, ladies, listen. What's God spoke over your life? What's God said about you? Joseph, a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him. They've shot at him and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast, the womb, blessing of your father excelled and on and on into the utmost hills, the bounds and everlasting and on the crown of his head, the head of him who was separate from his brothers. What about you, young disciple, young man? Are you separate from your brothers? You read about Jacob's brothers. There's all kinds of character flaws. What about you? Are you separate unto God? Are you just like any other sinner walking the streets? Any other carnal, fleshly man? Are you separate from them? Is there a distinction about you? When God looks at you, when people look at you, is there this distinction, this mark? You're separate. There's a character dominion. There's righteousness. There's an edge. Your words are different. How you carry yourself is different. How you speak, what you value, your conduct. Are you separate? Are you just like any other guy, any other fleshly This generation, young man, that walks into Circle K or goes to work, is there anything about you that's different unto God? If not, there should be. You should be contending for that. Bible says, come out from the world. Come out from amongst them. Be a separate people, holy unto God. What about you? What's God spoke over your life? What's God spoke over your life? What's he said? Is it going to come to pass? Or are you going to squander it? Cash it in somewhere along the way? Cast it aside? 
sell it out? I trust not. Would you bow your head with me this evening? You're here tonight and, and your heart's not right with God. There's nothing more terrible, more miserable than not being right with God. Nothing worse on planet Earth. Nothing worse to the human heart than not being right with God. There's not a person here in your right mind that would desire cancer. Millions, probably billions of dollars have been spent trying to warn people about cigarette smoking causes cancer. It's on cigarette packs. It's been advertised. It's in schools and smoke-free society and smoke-free cities. Even some uh, smoke-free nations, are, they're pressing them because no one in their right mind wants cancer, what it does to the human life. Can I tell you something? Cancer is nothing compared to sin. What cancer does to the flesh, sin does to the soul. Sin, sin does to the soul, your mind, your heart, your future, your character, your life. Sin, cancer may eat up your flesh. But sin has the ability to eat and devour all that is real and eternal. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.